I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Bobby Moore and Sir Jeff Hurst The Trevor Brookin and Billy Bones Paolo DiCaglio West Ham United We celebrate our victories We stick together in defeat good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Um, this is going to be a bit of a somber podcast, um, and it's, it's a special episode with a... Um, a bit of a tribute to David Gold, and uh, we we heard the sad news on Wednesday, fourth uh, of January, that sadly passed away. Uh, when we recorded on Monday, um, I did I did share with the other presenters that, you know, he was in hospital and uh, it, it wasn't looking too good. So he's he's been struggling with illness for quite a while. Um, during the pandemic, he caught COVID a, a number of times. He'd been through bouts of pneumonia he hadn't been to a lot of games recently as a lot of people had realized and you know obviously there were pictures of him looking frail but you know even towards the end he was positive um just a few a month ago he was saying you know i'm not ready to give up yet i'm gonna fight this i'm gonna be back um but unfortunately we we received the sad news that um you know he lost his his battle and and he died um on wednesday um aged 86 um i personally first met david gold in uh 2011 uh actually along with nigel uh, the first sab the supporters advisory board and, and in the various revisions obviously david came to a number of those and, and met supporters um he always had time for people, always had time for fans and, and would talk and um and again we met him. Uh Nigel and myself went to one of his famous talks where he, he told his old stories, as he often did. And, you know, through a number of meetings, I wasn't his friend, but we became acquaintances and I knew I could I had his mobile number, I had his email address, and you could always WhatsApp him and he would answer or you could email him. Uh, but he loved to talk. You know, there was no better thing than to, to ring him up and he would chat forever. 
often not the things you want to talk to him about. Um, he just he just liked to talk um, about West Ham, and you know, uh, if we sort of fast forward to 2015, um, you know, I asked him to do an interview for this podcast, and uh, he agreed. And uh, and you're going to hear it in a minute. I thought my tribute to David Gold would be playing that 50-minute uh, interview, raw and uncut, as recorded in 2015, eight years ago. Um, because you can hear David Gold, the person, the passion about West Ham. Um, and, you know, I, I, I spoke to him after that and um, I visited his house once on an open day and uh, and we spoke again there and um, we, um, <clears throat> friends of ours, uh, hired a box uh, in 2019 um, and uh, I think it was a game against Leicester and again David came in with his brother Ralph and, and again the, the Americans who were hosting us uh, got to meet him and you know he was always he was he would always give his time he'd always make people feel at ease uh, and would always tell his most famous stories um, you know, and we will miss him. You know, a lot. I think he got us some unnecessary grief. His heart was in the right place. He he loved West Ham, no matter what anyone says. He obviously played for West Ham as a as a cult, as a youth. And I think his my personal view is his legacy will 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 go on. I've I've met uh, only once um, Vanessa and and um, Jacqueline, and I know that Jacqueline's husband Zan Cunningham is now on the board and I believe that he's a passionate West Ham fan I'm told and he's sort of been he's a succession plan to take over the family affairs uh, for the Gold family and I believe that they will retain a shareholding I'm not going to sh tell you they're going to retain all of the 25% but I think um, you know I, I David said a number of times that he wanted his legacy to hand his shares on to his his daughters uh, and and I'm hoping you know that will be respected um, and they will continue on that tradition for their father and stay somehow connected to West Ham we, we'll see it's very early days at the moment but anyway I just wanted to my tribute uh, to David Gold rest in peace is this interview that I recorded with him in 2015 so just put yourself in 2015 to put it in a little context and we welcome to more than just a podcast he played for the west ham colts for four years as an outside left between 1950 and 1954 he freely admits he used to bunk into the bowling grounds without paying as a youngster he's now the joint owner of west ham for the last five years he bought it when he was 73 years young uh, it's David Gold, or better known as DG. Welcome, Mr. Chairman. Oh, thank you very much, Sean. It's uh, good to be on your uh, programme. Uh, it must seem a lifetime ago that you uh, were playing for the West Ham boys. Any regrets for, for not being able to uh, make it as a professional footballer? Well, sure, you know. I mean, we all have regrets. There's hardly a person that you meet that uh, you know, didn't think that at one time they might be a professional footballer. Um, uh, sadly, that uh, you know that didn't happen. Um, for a, for a moment, I thought I was good enough, um, but a number of things got in its way. Um, 
I, I suppose the most important thing that got in the way was uh, and the fact that I had to make a living at that time and, and being a, uh, 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 being offered professional terms, I think it was 30 shillings a week. Well, I could earn, uh, you know, uh, three pounds by going to work. So that was an issue as well. But having said that, had the opportunity come along, I'm, I'm sure I would have grasped it. Yeah, you pay your footballers a little bit more than that nowadays. Yes, they do, don't they? Well, that's the big difference. Uh, uh, I mean, we we played it for the love of the game. It uh, it didn't occur to us um, that it was a you know a way of making a living. Um, it just was something that we uh, you know desperately desperately wanted to do. All right. Well, let's let's start with everything up to date. First of all, congratulations. I was there yesterday at Selhurst Park, which I know you were at as well. Um, uh, I'm still suffering a little bit today, I must admit. Uh, it was a great day, great celebrations afterwards. And obviously it comes on the back of amazing Liverpool win, a Man City win, obviously that Arsenal win beginning day of the season. Um, and, and again against Palace, who were fourth, and, and we're now fourth. So um, I, I, I guess my first thing is, do you feel relieved and vindicated that you made the right choice in, in Slaven Village now? Oh yes, I mean, um, I, I think we we knew we knew we knew his CV before before we even met him. So we knew that he was capable. Um, and indeed, as as some of the other applicants, you know their CVs. The uh, the issue is, you know, are you going to be able to work with this man? You know, whether it, uh, um, whoever you're uh, interviewing. Can you work with him? Is he's, 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 he's the chemistry between you? And that's not just like a lot of clubs, really, it's just uh, one man that would be dealing with the manager. Um, in our case, of course, uh, there's two chairman and, uh, and, of course, uh, vice chairman Karen Brady. Now, all of these people have to sort of tick the box. Yes, I can work with him. Um, and, and there's no doubt of, of a number of other people that we that we interviewed, you know, there were doubts, you know, um, I'm not sure about this person, I'm not sure about the quality of the, of the English, you know, where the English is very, very bad and you're having to use interpreters, you know, that's um, a very, uh, that doesn't tick the box. Well, with Slavin, not only did the English tick the box, but the chemistry picked the box, ticked the box, and there was another box to be ticked, of course, and that was um, that nobody else could do, uh, and that was that he was an ex-player, and therefore, you know, ex-players are always um, more warmly received by by the fan base. So we well, could he argue certainly that seems to be he, yeah, he certainly seems to be warmly supported by the fans. Unlike the previous manager, it was a bit marmite. Either people loved him or or hated him. I mean, hate is probably a bit of a strong word, but certainly mm. everyone seems to be on on Slavin's side at the moment and, and singing his name and, you know, it's great to see all the West Ham fans united at the moment. It does help when you're winning, of course. I mean, there's no, there's no question <laughs> that uh, the, key, the key to all of these things, particularly in the early stages, is to get off to a good start. Show passion. You know, West Ham fans, um, you know, they know that they don't have a divine right to win every game. But what they do have a divine right to expect, and that is that their football team is going to give 100% and they're going to see passion from their manager. 
and that's what they've got. That's why they're and so when there is a downside and there's bound to be a downturn, you don't you know um nobody wins all of the time and, and just and we've proved that, you know, we didn't beat Bournemouth. Um, you know, uh, the bookies had us like ten ten to one to win or that uh, there was ten to one on uh, or I should say ten to one against um uh, Bournemouth winning and yet they won and yet the fans took it um, took it on the chin knew that it was a, a bad day at the office um, but they saw passion they saw the passion of the manager uh, and they saw us bounce back and uh, and win our next away game so um, uh, it, it, bodes, it bodes well for the new manager you know that they, they will tolerate a downward side because of all the good qualities that he has. Yeah, I mean, he looked quite emotional when I watched match. When I got back to watch match of the day last night, it almost seemed quite emotional in tears. Um, it, he seems really passionate about this. Oh, yes. I mean, I see him after the game, and uh, uh, and and you saw it. You saw it after the uh, after the Crystal Palace uh, side um, uh, after the, the Crystal Palace match. You saw uh, literally um, uh, a manager kissing one of these players. Well, you know yeah. that that is the um, that's the visual side of the, of, of his uh, of you know, the, the sheer delight of winning winning um, away from home again, uh, and he, he he shows his emotion. He can't help himself. He's a, an emotional, passionate man that is desperate to win yeah he said I saw in an interview he said that he's got no real target from the board um, is, is that right he's, he's got no target beyond probably staying in the Premier League there's, there's no target to finish a particular league position for, for um, Slevin no there, I mean he wasn't given a target you know nobody said we want you to finish uh, 15th or whatever it might be um, but uh, he was, he made it absolutely clear that you know our initial requirement, because of the importance of the of the two years that he was going to share with us. Those two years being the last year at um, at the bowling ground, and and the, and the second year was going to be the first year at um, at the new stadium. So you know it was absolutely vital. I mean, you can you, you can't imagine, can you, what it would be. To get relegated in your last season at, the, at your, yeah. you know, which has been the home of West Ham for over a hundred years, it would it would be unthinkable, and then to go to the Olympic Stadium in the Championship would be unthinkable. So he knew, he knew, uh, and we uh, expressed, um, you know, the our concern and, and our requirement to be a um, a Premier League football uh, club. Which meant uh, the bottom line. It came down to the fact: do not get relegated. It was it was straightforward. But you know, equally, we knew the players that were that we'd already um, was looking at even before, because you know it was um, yeah we were looking at players even before um, Slavin arrived, and Slavin approved of a number of players. Um, and then, of course, there were players that he wanted to bring in. Now, all of these players, and it's very unusual. There was hardly a, a player that Slavin wanted that David Sullivan, who uh, and um, uh, you know our 
um, people that seek out players. Um, every single player that he wanted, we we actually got, which was remarkable. In 25 years of being in football, I've never known a, a window where we've managed. And of course, by let me, I'm sorry, I, I, I'm jumping from one thing to another. But um, in 25 years, uh, I've never known that we've had a, a list of targets and, and got them all. I mean, many, many of them fall by the wayside. Um, but in this instance, um, we, uh, we with, particularly with David Sullivan's um, persistence, uh, we, we pulled off a remarkable window uh, and we got everybody that we went after. So Slavin couldn't have asked for more support. He, he got fantastic support from us financially and the fact that we pursued and pursued and pursued uh, to get out to get our people or get the players in that he that he wanted. Last question on league position. Where, where do you think we can finish? Put your optimistic hat on. Personally, you, not the board. Where, where do you think we can finish realistically? Well, I'm 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 you know I'm, I'm sitting here uh, right now, and I uh, just for a moment I am a fan. And therefore, you know, I'm optimistic. Fans in the main are optimistic. Um, they, 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 um, their expectations, their expectation levels have risen. They've risen because they've seen some quality players. They didn't know what Lancini was going to be like. They didn't, they didn't know. They, they, you know, they heard of him or they looked him up, but they didn't know what he was going to be and how he would fit in. They didn't know how Pyatt was going to settle in and become, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, the player that we, we saw at, uh, at Crystal Palace. Um, so, so a lot of these players coming in, they they really didn't know what what extra they were going to give to the team, and and they've slotted in amazingly. And and and, and Abona and these um, and Pedro, all of these players are are, 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 are fitting so well. But now um, fans are going to be saying, be saying, do you know what? We could finish in the top six. That's what they're saying. Do you think we can finish in the top six? So yeah, I do. In your fan I do, mode? I in my fan mode, and, and, and I must say, even in, even in my you know, director's mode, I would be saying that this side is good enough. I mean, let's, let's be honest. We, we, we are not, as we speak, a top four football club. Top four football club has internationals. Uh, right the way through the squad. Um, the key for us will be how fortunate are we going to be through the season with um, with injuries. Now yeah. at the moment we've got um, uh, we've got Song. Alex Song is is injured, but due back any moment yeah. could be could be on the bench against Chelsea. Could be. Um, yeah. You've got Andy Carroll, much maligned. But let me tell you about Andy Carroll. He is working. I've never seen him work as hard as he's worked in the last uh, eight months to get back fit. Uh, and he's now stronger than I've ever seen him. Um, and, and, and Andy could go 10 years without another injury. I mean, of course, I'm exaggerating. I don't, I don't mean uh, a knock where he's out for a couple of weeks or a strain. Um, muscle or something I'm talking about he could go the rest of his career now without a major injury absolutely no reason why not we understand 
um, have the difficulties because of his size. As a, he's a big man, and, um, and and in a way, he gets different injuries to normal players. We understand him better than we've ever understood him. So there's absolutely no reason why he he couldn't go on, as I say, for the rest of his career without a major major injury. Now, these these issues of of, of injuries uh, in a squad like ours. Um, if you get lucky and you don't have three injuries in the same position and then end up playing one of the kids, which we, which has happened in the past, or you play one of you know one of your, um, uh, well, I think that basically that that's what it really means. It means if you end up playing the kids and you don't want to do that, so luck plays a part yeah. in in injuries. At the moment, our luck is running good because you know players are coming back rather than. You know, we, we haven't heard. I mean, I went straight down into the dressing room after the Crystal Palace game, and apart from congratulating everybody, I want to know if anybody's injured. I want to know if if um, somebody came off um, because they were struggling. Um, and, and when uh, even when uh, James Collins, you know, went down, I'm thinking, um, you know, I hope he's okay because uh, I think it's so important. Um, and look, look what you've had this this um, uh, at the at the Crystal Palace game, just to show our luck, our good luck. Um, we had a uh, we we have arguably our two best centre backs were injured, and yet Tompkins and, um, and and James Collins were were fantastic. So, yeah. but but if you had a third injury, that's where your bad luck kicks in, because then you would be playing. Um, one of the, um, you know, a, a centre back that possibly has never played, uh, is, uh, you know, never played in the Premier League, would be one of the youngsters coming in. So, but yeah. next week, hopefully, both all four will be fit, um, and and you know, you're not on the brink of worrying that you might have to bring in a young player. Yeah. So I, 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 it's great, and I think you're right. As long as we keep fit, then uh, we can be very optimistic. I just want to move on for a moment and touch on last week we saw the serialisation of former manager Sam Allardyce. Uh, he had a lot to sell, and we all realised he's trying to sell books, okay, and, you know, he brought up the, the thing about West Ham Way and deluded fans and all that, and we, we can take it a little bit tongue-in-cheek because we know he's trying to sell his book. Uh, my question to you is, are you going to update your autobiography now with the Sam Allardyce years? <laughs> is there any more to come out? Yeah, no, I'm... Uh, um, it's only, it's only a, a, a month or so ago that I um, updated it. And don't forget, mine is not a book. Mine is... Um, um, is, is uh, my book is 10 years old now, and therefore my book is um, is on the internet where I can alter it uh, almost at will, so um, and it's free on the internet, so I can pretty much do what I like, which is nice. Um, but no, I'm I'm still working on um, the new stadium, the chapter on the new stadium, how that all happened, and there'll be um, you know I'll pick up on a few points on 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 Sam, um, but um, but I'm not looking to sell it. Is there any hard feelings of what he's saying at the moment, or? Do you just sort of say, no, well, I mean, I, I don't think he's really said anything um, detrimental to, to the board. He might have, uh, you know, he, he does talk about the West Ham way and he, he claims that um, he never understood the West Ham way. Um, 
uh, and and it and it's really the West Ham way is more in people's hearts than it is something tangible. Um, so it's always uh, it's difficult for one person to to understand, uh, you know, what's going in on in the mind and in the hearts of uh, somebody else. So I can understand why he uh, why he kind of claims that um, that it's difficult to understand. You know, or for Sam to say, you know, what does the, what is the West Ham way? I know what the West Ham way is. What I feel in my heart, um, and sometimes you can't explain that. Yeah, I, I agree, and I don't think we're ever going to see eye to eye with Sam on this issue. And we've, no. we've probably given Sam enough airtime and plugs for his book anyway. Yeah, um, but yeah, as you say, agree, people yeah. can download your book free of charge from from your website. Yeah, and they can, you know, there's, uh, um, yeah, and of course, as I say, they can go there now or they could go there in a year's time and it will be different because it's forever being up, 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 um, updated. You know, I, I might spend uh, um, a few days um, revising it, but it's always to improve it and, and, and bring it up to date. Where Sam's book will be, and, and indeed, everybody's book. You know, a year after they published it, it basically is old hat. But by doing it the, the way I'm doing it on the internet, which gives me a lot of pleasure because it's like the diary of my life, um, and I can and I can um, correct it and adjust it and update it um, whenever I whenever I feel the need. Okay. Let's move on to the future. Let's before we get yeah. to the Olympic thing. Let's just talk about Rush Green, um, Jack. Sullivan uh, recently said on, on Twitter, as you know, he likes to reveal these things, that we were going to keep Chadwell Heath. There were rumours that we might sell Chadwell Heath to housing and use the money to uh, update Rush Green. It, it seems to be really important now. All of our main competitors, Spurs, Chelsea, Arsenal in London, of you know, 100 acre plus uh, state of the art training facilities. Um, I know mm. Uh, we were recently told that you've spent around two and a half million already on Rush Green with another further 10 million um, mm. to spend. What, what is the situation? What is the future of Rush Green and how will we have state-of-the-art training? The situation is the clubs that you're talking about are super wealthy clubs. Um, we've got to, um, we, we have to understand where West Ham is. West Ham, uh, um, six years ago, was on the brink of administration with 100 million pounds of the debt. Um, we're restructuring the whole football club. We're moving out of Upton Park and we're moving into a, um, a brand new stadium. The, uh, all of these things cost money. Um, and you, we have to be prudent on how we spend our money. Uh, super wealthy uh, clubs can do everything. They can buy players. Uh, they can um, uh, build um, uh, new stadiums. They can build uh, super... Um, training facilities, and they can do it all at once because that's what super wealth enables you to do. We're not a club like that. We're a club that inherited £100 million of the debt, uh, very poor facilities at both uh, Chadwell Heath and at, um, at Rush Green. But if you go to Chadwell Heath, although, although um, the office uh, buildings aren't uh, luxurious, the pitches are of the highest quality, which is the, the first thing that we did. We ensured uh, we, we, we laid a number of pitches at Chadwell Heath so that 
the actual training facility is of top quality. Um, and but what we actually did was only did enough. It's now got three um, um, work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Old-class pitches. Um, you've got drainage has been dealt with. You've got lighting that's been dealt with. Lots and lots of things have been dealt with. Had we had we um, um, planted roses in the gardens? No, we haven't. Um, we've done the basics of the things that have to be done. And each time we are, each year we put we spend money on rust green to improve it. It's probably, and nobody knows for sure, but the likelihood is that the, eventually the first team will move it into um, rust green because the facilities there in due course will be better than can be done at Chadwell Heath. So Chadwell Heath will be will be given over to the academy and the first team will probably go to uh, rust green. And each year we will spend money on improving the facilities and in, in, the, in, the, in a few years to come, they will be as good as anybody in, in the Premier League. Yeah, I think, but, I think we look forward to that. But if I just finish yeah. off on that, if I could say, what we've done is that the priorities um, have been, you know, do we spend $5 million on on, um, on on putting some really nice facilities in, in at Chabwell Heath or at uh, Rush Green, or do we buy a, another centre forward? Well, we bought a centre forward. And the year before that, we bought a centre forward. And the year before that, we bought a centre forward. You could have, we could have spent uh, 15, 20 million uh, on, on our facilities and got relegated. So there's your proof. Yeah, we'll, That's what we do. Yeah. Um, we're making judgments. Of course, we want to improve the facilities. Of course, we want to have as good as anybody in the Premier League. Uh, that is our aim. Our aim is to have 
uh, world-class facilities and world-class players. Um, but can we do it all overnight? No, we can't. Let's move on to the Olympic Stadium. It's something I feel really close to because I was on the initial supporters advisory board and, and I, I wrote the original report for, for the board from the, from the point of view of the supporters and you know there's, there's been a lot of I think there's been a lot of support and there's, there's been one or two uh, who've been against from the beginning because they feel it's their home and it's local and it's, it's very personal to them but it's a reality now we're moving forward um, you're aware of the 14 fans trust that, that tried to get a petition for a public inquiry and, and failed on the back of a BBC documentary, on the back of the, the Guardian, um, what, what what is your view on the whole, you know, this this constant pursuit by the media um, for you know thinking it's taxpayers' money, and, and and half the stories I read are, are completely wrong, as we recently did on Clarence and Hugh. You know, this this stadium is going to pay for itself. Is is there? Will, will they ever give up on, on, in their pursuit against West Ham? I think it, uh, is it not true that great stories go on and on and on? And this is a great story. Um, if, you, if you don't tell the truth, and, and a lot of these articles are terribly biased, um, uh, and they, this constant uh, red herring of taxpayers' money, when in actual fact, the opposite is true. Because if West Ham wasn't involved in becoming the anchor tenant to the Olympic Stadium, the Olympic Stadium would become exactly what the vast majority of other Olympic Stadiums become, and that are that is that they become white elephants. They go into decay, they rot, they cost they cost taxpayers millions of pounds a year just for security and keep them from being a hazard. Um, and that was exactly what was going to happen to the Olympic Stadium. Our Olympic Stadium would have been nothing, no different to the others that went into decay. Why would there be any different? I mean, our plan, or the, sorry, our plan, the government's plan, the previous government plan, the Labour government plan, was in actual fact to... Uh, reduce the Olympic Stadium from an 80,000-seater to 25,000 seats with no roof um, and 25,000 and only the ability really to hold athletics there. Well, we know we're pulling athletic stadiums down. The Sheffield Stadium, Athletic Stadium, has been pulled down because it's a white elephant. It's not sustainable. We, we must face up to the fact we cannot delude ourselves that people like uh, to... Um, we want our kids and our young people to uh, participate in running, jumping, all forms of athletics. We want them. We want them fit. We want them well. The bottom line is, though, that apart from Olympics, nobody is interested. We, we watch it and we, we're there for two weeks every four years. The whole world descends upon the Olympic Stadium, wherever it may be. Ten days after, it's forgotten. You can hold the World Championship 
of hop, skip and jump in the Olympic Stadium and six people are turn up. Yeah. We have to face this fact. Um, now, they, they, uh, in fairness to Sebco, he got us the Olympic Stadium. Fantastic. He got us the Olympics in 2012. He worked his socks off to get the Olympics to come to London. And he did a fantastic job, and he got the Olympics for us, but at a price. The price was that he promised the Olympic Commission that the that the results would be. Um, I'm, I forget now. I think it's called legacy. Yes, of course, it's called legacy. legacy. He yeah. promised the legacy of the Olympic Stadium is that the Olympic Stadium will remain available to athletics. That's what he promised. So they built a stadium for athletics, which we know. We know because we've seen it dozens of times around the world. When you build these stadiums, they end up, one of them, to car park. I don't know which one it is, but I'm sure you could look it up. One of the Olympic yeah. stadiums of the last uh, 40 years is now a car park. Now, how can you promise a legacy? Now, he did promise a legacy that it would be, that it would remain um, a venue for athletics. Okay? Um, he can yep. do that. He can promise that. But as long as you understand that the taxpayer then would be involved, would be involved in a... Um, for, for years and years and years and years to come, to come. because to, just to maintain that, uh, that uh, stadium uh, under those rules would cost four million pounds a year, minimum, minimum. That yeah. would be the minimum cost to the taxpayer, but that would be directly to the taxpayer. Now, that's not happened. We've come along um, and become the anchor tenant and arguably, you can say that we've saved this burden on the taxpayer. And don't forget, the taxpayer would have had to have paid $60 million to reduce it from a 80,000-seater stadium to 25,000 seats. So it's going to cost $60 million anyway to the taxpayer to do that. That was in the budget. That was planned. That was understood. And then it was going to cost four million pounds a year forever. Along comes West Ham and we do a deal and that's now no longer going to be the case. Yes, it's true that they've invested in retractable seating, which they should have done before. They should have done this before. That is one of the biggest mistakes. The biggest cost is because they didn't do it when they built the stadium. They built the stadium for 500 million instead of for 600 million. If they'd have built it for 600 million, they could have done away with the 60 million contingency payment. So really, in actual fact, it would have only cost about 40 or 50 million pounds more, and they would have had a stadium for 100 years, which, we, which we've now got, which would be a multi-purpose stadium for all kinds of sports, including athletics. They didn't do that. Yeah. I'm off my soapbox, by the way. Um, I'm, I'm <laughs> well, one it. accusation, one accusation put to you in in the in the BBC documentary, and it's one I tried to defend because I, I I've heard from you and uh, and David something in the past 
is that this is you're in it for to sell West Ham directly after you move or, or within two or three years of moving to the Olympic Stadium. Can, can you rebuff this? Uh, yeah, you know, that's probably not true. It's never been. It's never been part of our our, our plan. Um, and uh, you know, at no time have we ever talked about selling the football club. We've talked about having maybe another uh, investor come in and share the burden with us so that we can compete with Abramovich and uh, Man City and, you know, the super clubs. But we've never, ever talked about selling. It's our intention to pass on uh, the shares in in, in West Ham uh, when when we become too ancient to um, to continue, but we'll pass them on to our children who have got the same passion as us. Um, so, so just, uh, I mean, I don't want to be morbid, but if anything happens, I know you're 79 years young, and I'm, I, I know I've heard you say you have a checkup from your doctor, and you're going to be around for a long time, but if anything happened to your David, there is provision is there to, to, for West Ham to go on and, and be handed down to, to your family? Of course. Of course, you know, um, my two daughters would inherit my shares, and their passion for the football club is, uh, is is not dissimilar to my my own, and sometimes I think their passion um, is greater. So um, uh, that from that point of view, from my point of view, my if something happens to me, my daughters would would step up to the plate, and um, my daughter was at Crystal Palace um, and, and couldn't contain her excitement. So you know, yeah. I, I'm confident that, that that they will carry on the. Uh, the the same passion and and had the same desires that I've that I've had. So I've got no con- concern about that. You've only got to look at uh, 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 young Dave and and Jack. Whilst they're young young yeah. young men at the moment, uh, you know they're they're, they're they're a few years away from adulthood, um, and they've got uh, their their mother, for example, is a, a very um, uh, a, a great source of inspiration to those two young men, and, and a very um, and a very bright lady. She will ensure that, um, that they're guided in the right uh, the right direction. I've got no I've got no uh, qualms, and and I want to reassure all fans that you know that West Ham are are in in a way you could use the word dynasty. It might sound a bit. Um, uh, high saluting, but you've got two families um, that are powerfully supportive. You know, you've got the Gold family and you've got the Sullivan family, um, and it's not just uh, David and myself. It really, it really is two families, uh, and those families and, and all the members of the family, uh, you know, the direct uh, members, um, are are passionate about this football club. Uh, they recognise that uh, you know uh, their dads. Uh, this has been their life's ambition, um, uh, and 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 they they they're passionate in themselves, but they also have respect for what uh, what their fathers are trying to achieve. Well, um, I, I don't wish either of you <laughs> early retirement. Um, so uh, hopefully no, you're, you're, you're both you know, with us. I mean, just to add to that, you know, um, we're in pretty good, in pretty good health. We're we're well, you know, we're well looked after. 
uh, in terms of you know a, a medical checkups and stuff. Um, and I'd be disappointed. I would be disappointed if I'm not, you know, not here for the next ten years. Um, I know that sounds like well, you know, what do ninety-year-old people do? Yeah, they retire. My intention probably would be to retire by then. Oh, I, 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 you know, my passion for the football club. If you were asking me to go and dig a trench, that's a different thing. If you're going to ask me um, to use my experience, my knowledge over uh, 25 years in football and uh, and 50 years in business, I'm your man. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the future and, and the Olympics team. You know, obviously, we're moving there next year. Jack Sullivan, who you just mentioned, was asked on Twitter whether we can increase capacity above the 54,000 we're going to start with. He answered cryptically, yes. Um, I know there's 66,000 seats in there. Is there an ambition to grow beyond the 54,000? I mean, by, by looking at all the plans for the other London clubs, we would become the largest stadium if, if they, we found a way to go beyond 54,000, we would become the large, have the largest ground in London. Yeah. Is there plans that you can tell us about? Well, there aren't plans because, you know, our current plans is to get our uh, 54, 56,000 seater stadium um, full, vibrant. Yeah. Um, remember that we, we promised that there, uh, there, there isn't a seat in the Olympic Stadium, which is further away than Wembley. That promise is true. Um, uh, the sight lines for those 54,000 seats are, is, uh, um, are world-class, um, and, 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 and um, no seat is further away from the pitch than, than Wembley. That's, you know, for, you know because that was, remember, that was the big uh, issue. The big issue with fans early on um, and and our um, not just fans but people that were interested in what was going on. They were claiming that they would be miles away from the pitch, and and, would, and the joke was that everybody would need binoculars. That is not true. Nobody nobody uses binoculars at where. No, I've been. And I, I can vouch for that. Yeah, and and, I, and I'm. Um, and, and you've only got to. I mean, I mean this is a This is a fact. There's not one seat in the 56,000 56, seats that is further away than Wembley. That is a great claim, and it's, uh, it, it really uh, should take away the concerns of, uh, of fans because they had their doubts. They had their doubts. These are now facts. Now, the other seats that are closed away, yes, they could, be re they could be introduced in the future, but that is the future. The present is to ensure that we fill the stadium, we fill the stadium uh, week in, week out on a regular basis for, uh, for football um, uh, being played by West Ham in the Premier League. That is our current target. There's no reason why the owners of the stadium, the LLDC, or um, what's it called, E20, um, if they were holding a, and I'm just making this up, but if they were holding the NFL um, finals or something um, there, there's no reason why they couldn't um, put in an extra uh, 16,000, taking it to, I think it's 12,000. 
12,000, so you'd be 50, you'd be 66,000. And that would be a program yeah, in the 1960s. Yeah. Um, so, yes, that, that could happen. But that's not our concern as we, as we speak. Where, where do you see us five years from now? You know, we're both financially and on the pitch. I know the two are very well linked, but, you know, if you had a crystal ball, um, mm. and I, I'm asking the impossible, where, where, do you, where does the board see us five years from now? Um, I see us well established in, in the Olympic Stadium. I see all of the um, anti-stadium uh, lobbies gone. I think they will disappear. Um, I see West Ham United flourishing, um, becoming uh, a challenger to Tottenham Hotspurs, to Arsenal uh, in London. Um, it's always it's very, very difficult, very difficult to talk about the Chelsea's and the Manchester Cities because they have wealth which is indescribable and, uh, um, and um, you know, it's serious wealth. When a club is owned by a country, it's, uh, it's very difficult to compete with. Uh, I'm referring to Manchester City. It's very difficult to compete. Yeah. Um, on a regular basis, on a financial basis, with Manchester United, who, whose world, you know, their, their brand is just incredibly worldwide, and, and we all know what the world world brand means uh, in terms of income. You know, it's, it just puts them in a different uh, at, at a different level. But that's not to say that we can't compete with them on 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 the football pitch, and. Um, uh, and that's what I, I, I would look to see for West Ham in the next five years. I would ex- I would be very disappointed um, if we if we're not in in Europe one year. Will we um, be debt free by then? Do you think? I mean, there was a plan to go almost debt free. I know a lot. The debt has been developed Yeah, no, absolutely debt free. Um, there's no there's no way that this football club can go forward until it becomes debt-free, and we, we expect it to become debt-free um, when we go to the Olympic Stadium, um, um, debt-free of caustic debt. I mean, what I mean by caustic debt, and that's debt to banks, uh, we will be free of debt yeah. to banks, and, and because they're, they're the, uh, you, you, don't want to be, you don't want to be in debt to, to banks or, or, or organizations that, for example, could foreclose on you if you didn't meet your requirements. Uh, but more importantly, more importantly, um, we'll be debt-free of those, um, and uh, and hope. And, and apart from the debt to to David Sullivan and myself, which you know these debts uh, don't have to be uh, um, repaid. Can that all be? Can we can we skip that, Sean? Uh, this business about yeah, yeah, our, our debts and the bank debts. I'm getting I'm getting a bit um, um, tied up with this. I think what I can say yeah. is that we will be um, we will debt we will be debt free by the time we go into the Olympic Stadium. Okay. Thanks for that. Um, and I think final. Also, yeah, go ahead. Cool. No, I was only going to say. Cool. Please, no, you... uh, what, you're really wanting to know where we, where, where I think we're going to be in five years' time. I will be disappointed yeah, yeah. If, if, if in five years' time that we're not um, competing at the very top level. I'd like to think that where we are now, 
you know, is, 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 I mean, at the moment, of course, we're riding high um, uh, because I'd like to see this continue. I'd like to see us debt free. I'd like to see us season after season after season competing at the, uh, you know, in the, in the top six um, and hopefully one day break into the top four. That's what I'd like to see. And that's what I, I, I'd be disappointed if we don't because I think we're a great club. I think that, you know, it's not, it's not coincidental that the clubs at the top of the division are at the top of the table of fan base. It's not coincidental that Accrington Stanley with 1,300 fans are at the bottom of the table. By that, I mean the, you know, the, uh, I don't know what league they're in now. I just made up, made Accrington Stanley up. No disrespect to Accrington Stanley, but I've followed them all my life because they've always been underdogs. And, um, yeah. but, you know, there is a correlation between the fan base and position in, in the league. Now, we've underperformed for 50 years. We've underperformed because we are, we are, we are higher up the league of the fan base than our position over the last 50 years has shown. Um, and therefore, you know, I'm optimistic that now that fan base has got a new stadium to go to, that that will generate um, income. Um, I believe that the Olympic Stadium will, will, will enable us to um, um, raise more income to give us a, um, a better position in the um, in the league. And therefore, I do feel that within five years, if not within a year, within a couple of years, we will be in the top six on a regular basis. And one day, I think we'll get into that top four. Well, that's a great place to finish because I'm sure we all we all share that wish. And in, yeah. in five years' time, maybe we can have you back on and we see how how where we've done. I did ask okay. one very short question at the end. Is yeah. I asked some light some light-hearted questions. Um, so, mm-hmm. um, to- Toby Fisher does say, "Can we invade the pitch on the last game of the season, or will we get a live ban?" <laughs> I can't. I- I mean, I can't comment, but I'm sure that uh, it will be a very, very nice, a very, very nice day. Um, don't forget, a lot of the fans, of course, will be buying, uh, um, buying um, the turfs as well. So, you know, we don't want to damage, damage that. Otherwise, the fans yeah, will be uh, upset about that. Um, I'm sure it'll be a great, great uh, last game uh, at home um, on our final day at Upton Park. Um, someone else asked, um, have you ever patted um, David Sullivan on the head and has, have you ever asked Karen Brady to make you a cup of tea? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I certainly, <laughs> I've patted David Sullivan on the back on many occasions. I've never patted him on the head. Um, Karen Brady, um, I'm sure she's made me a cup of tea. I don't think I've asked her to make me a cup of tea. I've been to her house on many, many occasions, and uh, and and yes, she has made me a cup of tea, uh, but I've never asked her to. You don't ask royalty for uh, to make you a cup of tea. <laughs> oh yes, 
yeah, she has got higher status now. And the, and the last question is, uh, can we go to bed now, David? I've been up since February, and that's from Jack Hobson, who says, can we go to bed now? Certainly not. <laughs> Good to stay up <laughs> until the next transfer window. You've been a great sport, David. Um, thanks for being on uh, our podcast, more than just a podcast, in association with Clarence You Wish you all the best for the season and, and hope some of your predictions come true. Thank you, Sean. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Bobby Moore. More than just a podcast. Bobby Moore. More than just a podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky, smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a woman-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.